0: I see new faces. I want to thank you for coming and I appreciate you and some faces that I haven't seen for a while. Thank you so much for being present this day. Um, But as some of you know, many of you know, for the last several weeks, it seems like God is speaking to our church and it seems like He's conveying a message of the body of Christ and how it should look like amen and we have heard our youth leader Karina she has preached this past few weeks and we see according to the spirit what he has given to her we have learned that God has grown us and given us fruit But it's not just for us to stay with that fruit. It's for us to share the fruit that God has given us with the rest of the body of Christ. Amen? And we also had Deacon Joshua. Where are you? Somewhere around there. Oh, right there. (laughs) And he recently preached a very bold message. How many of you were here for that? And if you were not here, I encourage you to go back. And he was explaining that Jesus came to this earth. He obviously, he did what he did, what the Bible said he did. But then he tells us that we will do greater things than what he did. And we will touch on that later on. But Joshua was encouraging us to stop feeling like we, we don't believe, like to, to stop the struggle that we have with unbelief. Because we know that the only time God could not perform or Jesus could not work his, mir- his miraculous power was when the people did not believe. So Joshua was encouraging the body of Christ to believe so we can give him room to do what he and only he can do. Amen. Also, excuse me. had Pastor Daniel's preaching last week how many of you remember that message Wow Wow and he was speaking about the Spirit of God filling us right and he was explaining that we as vessels of God must be filled with the anointing of God but not just filled but overflowing that anointing, and that anointing should be poured onto others. And he was explaining that for us, that we as vessels, as cups, we are supposed to overflow with God's anointing, that our bodies, the Spirit, that we should be carriers. Of the presence of God and that the presence of God that is inside of us and the anointing of God that is inside of us is supposed to pour out unto the rest of the body we have also heard Jesenia our Bible teacher speaking about the church on purpose and her explaining that the church is a community so all this that I'm telling you is it seems like God is putting these messages together so we can understand that God is telling us as a church grow. He's telling you and I as his church, he's saying grow. Okay? Therefore, I want to pose a questions to us, a question to us today. How do we, as the Church of Christ, grow? So I want you to keep that question in mind. And with that being said, I would like to consider the Word of God. Again, chapter 2 of the book of Acts. I'm telling you, I did not know that Bible studies, preachings that were going on uh, were going to make reference. But... Like I said, the Spirit of God is doing something and He wants to teach us something. So today we are staying again in chapter 2 of the book of Acts and we will be reading verses 38 to 47 from the New International Version. And the Word of God reads, In the name of the Father, the Son, And the Holy Spirit, the church says, amen. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from the corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 43 Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything, everything in common. They sold properties You may be seated. So just for you to have some context of this scripture, as Pastor Daniel was preaching last week, and again, I encourage you that if you have not listened to this message, that you go back in YouTube and listen to it. And it says that during this time, the Jewish people were celebrating the day of Pentecost which is a celebration of the first fruits of the wheat uh, harvest. This celebration, as Daniel explained, was held 50 days after the Passover, which the Passover is, most sig- is a, the most significant Hebrew and Jewish celebration of God's deliverance, com- commemorating death, passing over God's people, and commemorating the freedom from slavery out of Egypt and into the presence of God. So in the prior chapter, chapter 1, resurrected Jesus had already ascended to heaven. And in this chapter, Jesus had already departed several days before and had told his disciples to wait on the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Daniel explained last week that on this particular, particular day, all these people were waiting together. All these people were waiting together. And as they waited, the Holy Spirit came as a rushing wind, a mighty wind, and filled the house. Hence, his message title was Filled, filled the House. We learned on that day God's Spirit moved suddenly. It came like a sudden move, right? But we learn that that move was expected. That move was expected by those who were waiting on that promise yes. patiently. Yeah. Patiently. Okay? So the disciples were expecting the Holy Spirit, and when he descended, when the Holy Spirit descended, it was sudden. And as Pastor Daniel said, he was not manipulated by men. God is not manipulated by men. He moves when he wants to move, and that's what happened on that day. His spirit came suddenly, and he came because that was what God had already said that would happen. And he moved in a mighty way, as we read. And this was very interesting because in the old covenant, the spirit of God rested upon the nation of Israel. But here in this scripture, now we see that God rests on the individual, okay? He rests on the individual. And the scriptures Pastor Daniel was reading last week went on by Peter, the Apostle Peter, quoting from the book of Joel, Joel? Joel, Joel. (laughs) chapter (laughs) 2, from chapter 2, which was an attempt that Peter was making to explain to those that saw and heard the move of God and did not understand it, that what they saw and what they heard was already spoken in scriptures. So they were expecting this to happen. So it was not a surprise. Although it happened suddenly, it was not a surprise because the the people of God were already expecting this because the scriptures said it will happen. So the scripture that Peter was quoting, it declared God's spirit will be poured unto all flesh. He declared that the sons and daughters will prophesy. That the young men will have visions and the old will have dreams. And that God will show his wonders. And he says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. I believe. Peter did a wonderful job inviting the rest of the people that were outside of that room. He did an amazing job inviting these people uh, into the body of Christ, into salvation. So he did an amazing job telling people that they too can call on the name of the Lord. Amen. So now moving forward to the scriptures that we, as we read in uh, verse 38 and on, uh, we see that when Peter preached, people's hearts were moved in sorrow. When he preached to the people outside, they were moved in sorrow. They felt so, so uh, sorry, so. And they wanted to. They wanted to know, like, what What do we do? I feel so sorry for what I have done. What do we do? And eventually, the scripture says that they repented and that they got baptized as instructed, instructed by Apostle Peter. Amen. So, uh, I would like to make a parenthesis here specifically for some of us might not understand what repentance is, and that's totally okay. That's why we are here. Um, I would like to make a parenthesis to explain what repentance is, and I really like how uh, this scholar defines it, defines it as, it says, Repentance must never be thought of as something we must do before we can come back to God, Okay, let me repeat that. Repentance but must never be thought of as something we must do before we can come back to God. Repentance describes what coming to God is. You can't turn towards God without turning away from the things he's against us. okay. So according to scriptures in Psalms 51:17, God does not reject a heart that is contrite, meaning remorseful. These people were sorrowful. These people were remorseful. And God says in his word that he does not reject anyone who has a contrite, a remorseful heart. And according to uh, Spurgeon, it says God will not accept a conversion that does not produce the fruit of repentance as genuine. Hear me. It's not just I'm sorry. Okay? We cannot manipulate with we cannot manipulate God by saying I'm sorry, God. For what I did, I'm sorry. Okay? If there is no fruit of repentance, he's not going to take that as genuine repentance. So Let that sink in. Like I said, if there is no fruit of repentance, then God will not accept our I'm sorry. There has to be that sorrowful heart like these people that were sorry for what they have done against God and his people. And this is what these people, like I said, did when Peter preached to them. And they repented, and not just repented and said, I'm sorry, they actually turned from their ways and turned to unto God. Conviction and repentance is what is supposed to happen when we hear the word of God. Amen? So now, in the scriptures that we initially read, we see that the people wanted to know more about Jesus, and the apostles made sure that they taught these people accordingly who Jesus was and what he did in order for us to have the gift of salvation. So verses 42 and 43 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, with that being said, I would like to preach to you. (laughs) So that was the introduction. I would like to preach to you. And it's under the theme, Build the House, the Power of God Through Fellowship. Amen? Build the house, the power of God through fellowship. As I mentioned before, Pastor Daniel preached last, I was going to say last year, last week, fill the house, and it was significant because it spoke about the importance of the individual being filled with the Holy Spirit, but today I want to assume the responsibility of speaking to you about the power of God when each individual comes together, each as carriers of the presence of God, amen? So in the scriptures we read... There is evidence of the importance of coming together, the importance of breaking bread together. And you know, nowadays it's with the coffee. You know, I love coffee. (laughs) And some butter, I mean, toast with butter, not the other way around. (laughs) But actually, that cannot be further from the significance of the breaking bread, of the breaking of the bread. What breaking bread means in the New Testament is not drinking our cup of coffee with toast and butter. That's not what it means. But rather, it's the Lord's Supper as we know it today. Amen? And this was very significant and continues to be very significant today. So the people we read about in this chapter, they were in fellowship. Everyone had everything in common, and no one lacked anything how beautiful. Can you even imagine that? Because nowadays it's very difficult to imagine that. But can you imagine that every person did not lack anything because everyone shared with each other? That is such a beautiful picture. We read that these people did life together. These people from the Bible did life together. And yes, they came to worship God, you know, they came together, they worshiped God, but it was more than that. They actually did life together, amen? And because of their fellowship, people were being saved on a daily basis, and that's not me inventing this information, it's actually in the word of God, and we read it, it's verse 47 when he said, the Lord added their number daily. Those who were being saved, amen? Through fellowship, they were being saved. So here in scriptures, we see a sense of community through, through fellowship. And it, it was inclusive. It wasn't like, this is us, and that's you over there. No, it was inclusive. Because otherwise, how the 3,000 came in, if it was not for them too, amen? How, how would that happen if it wasn't inclusive? But they too were saved because Jesus included them. Peter made sure that he exercised what he learned from Jesus to include the rest of the world around them. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I would like to suggest that these verses display God's prescription for growth within his house, his people. Amen? And I believe that if we follow... The example of this church in Acts 2, God himself will make sure that this church grows. Amen? If we follow, there is an if. If we don't follow what God did in Acts 2, don't expect it to happen. But if we do, expect for God to help this church grow. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Unfortunately, nowadays, masses have um, forsaken fellowship. And please understand, I'm not talking about COVID and being precautious. I'm not. That's irrelevant to this message. This has been happening for so many years now in America where people are forsaking fellowship. Okay? Okay. So, this is a problem that has been going on for a very long time, that people stop coming together and worshiping God together and breaking bread together. Um, And as I said just a few seconds ago, we fellowship as the, if we fellowship as the people in the book of Acts, God will grow us. Amen? However, no fellowship, guess what's not happening? no growth. Amen. No fellowship, no growth. It is not possible to grow in isolation. It's impossible to grow in isolation. Trust me when I tell you, it's not possible. Ask, ask yourself how many people you know that are in isolation and see if they are thriving. How can you thrive if you're not with your brothers and sisters, with people? How can you thrive? If you're in isolation, it's impossible, amen? And why do I say this? When we do not congregate and when we do not fellowship, two major things happen and I need you to, I need you to understand this. Two major things happen. One, when we don't congregate, we rob the rest of the people from experiencing the gifts God gave us to build them up. Back, repeat. (laughs) When we don't congregate or when we don't fellowship, we rob people from experiencing the power of God and the gifts that God has given us to build them up. The second thing that happens is that if we are indeed congregating like how we are here, thank you very much, what happens to those that are not congregating with us, they are robbing us. From being built up through the gifts that God has given them. Amen? Are you getting what I'm saying? Good. <laughs> and the keyword build. Key word. But if we are congregating, right? and we are coming together, then we can experience God through those gifts and things that he has given us, right? Amen. So we want to build each other up. In Hebrews 10, 19, 25, in the NIV, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. And in the New Living Translation says, let us not neglect meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Why did the author of this book emphasize for believers to not neglect meeting together? Why did he do that? Apparently, the people during that time were discouraged. When this letter was written, apparently the people in that time were discouraged and this discouragement led them to avoid gathering with their brothers and sisters as a community, which was the very thing they needed at that very time. Amen? And according to scholars, these people had a problem of drawing close to God. Because otherwise, again, why would the author mention in verse 22 to draw near to God if that was not a problem? So it was apparent that the people lost their intimate relationship with Jesus, um, and it is fair to assume that nothing else was going good for these people, okay? So, and I mean, these people, as we read in the Word of God, we know that they have been going through persecution, facing many other challenges, but that was not their real problem, the people that we are talking about. Their real problem was that their relationship with God was not in good stands. That was the real problem. And this is why we must understand that Jesus meets us, like scholars will say, in one another. Jesus meets us in one another, right? And this is with the intention to stir up love, to to uh, to do good works. That's the intention of God, and it says, like it says in verse twenty four, the author is speaking of a reciprocal action, one that the believers inspire one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, and protect one another, love one another, and do not harm each other. Okay, so this scripture is a reminder that forsaken fellowship will give place to discouragement. And this, is, and, and this pos, pos, poses the threat for believers to waver from the truth. So this is a threat. When you now are discouraged, now you retrieve from people and God, and now there is a threat of you and I wavering from the truth. How many are are learning? I know I learned. I know I learned. Amen. So it is imperative to know that we gather not just to receive something from God. We gather not just to give something to God, but we also gather to encourage one another by the faith and the values that we have as Christians. Amen? So we also gather to bless one another and to work with each other, not work alone, okay? So going back to the keyword build, I would like for us to consider what the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Corinth, the church of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 12, Love that chapter. Oh, fire. (laughs) Apostle Paul, he speaks about the gifts of the spirit, right? He mentions wisdom. He mentions knowledge, faith, healing, uh, miraculous powers, um, prophecy, discernment, meaning um, distinguishing between spirits. Uh, he also mentioned speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Amen? And he explains that each person has a specific gift. So if you are sitting here, understand that you personally have a specific gift. Even if you don't feel like you do, I'm telling you, the Word of God says that you as part of the body have a specific gift. Okay? So, he explains that each person has a gift, and at the end of the chapter, he goes on asking these questions, and he asks, in verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, and so... If I ask you, what is your gift, right? Is everyone going to tell me that you have the gift of prophecy or everyone is going to tell me that you have the gift of teaching? Is everyone? No, because he assigns a gift or some gifts to each and every one of us. So the answer to that question is no. As a matter of fact, the apostle explains the purpose of these gifts and i would like to consider verse 7 for that it says in verse 7 a spiritual gift and this is in the same chapter 1 corinthians chapter 12 a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other does that make sense amen so he's giving you a specific gift he's given me a specific gift So I can help you and you can help me. Not because I'm a pastor, I'm better than you. I need you as much as you need me. And I understand that. Amen? We have to keep humble. (laughs) God is God. We are not. We just display each of us a gift, but he is God. Amen? So in other words... Paul is explaining in this scripture that they are not just for us to wow the unbeliever. It's not for that. That's not, I mean, it's, it's nice if they are wowed by us, but it's not, that's not the case. But the gifts that God has given us is for us, is for them to serve a core necessary function to continuously build the house. Amen. So in this same chapter, Paul describes each believer as being a member of a body. And in this case is the body of Christ. And as you know, a body has many different parts that have specific functions. My hands have a function. My legs have another function. You know, my eyes, they have different functions. Okay. And this was an attempt that Paul was making to help believers understand the importance of being connected and belonging to the body of Christ. So let's consider some of the verses he wrote. Uh, I would like to read verses 12 to 27, and we are going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And he says, the human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes. The body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, does that, that, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, will that make it any less a part of the body? If we, excuse me, if the whole body were an eye, how will you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how will you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it, not where we want it, where he wants it. How strange a body will be if it had only one part. <laughs> Very strange. I just imagine a big eye. <laughs> Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I do not need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Amen? What a beautiful scripture. Today, we should give thought and ask ourselves, Do we, the local community of believers of Jesus, do we look like this picture that Paul was painting for us? My heart breaks. Because many times I have seen the church in general, how the body of Christ strains. The body of Christ is straining. And I ask myself, could it be that because some parts, some members have severed themselves away from the body through the lack of their fellowship and gathering together, and then we see that now the remaining parts compensate for the absence of those members? I asked myself that. When we see the church straining, now those members that need, those that are away, now they are straining to do the work that God assigned those that stop fellowshipping. Apostle Paul, he gave us the church in this scripture, an illustration that helps us understand the importance of belonging through fellowship. Fellowship. And going back to these scriptures, if we have the gift, let's say, if you have the gift of knowledge, or if I have the gift of knowledge and teaching, right, but I do not gather with you, the other believers, what do you think is going to happen? As I mentioned before, the body is being robbed from receiving from the part of that body that is missing those gifts that God gave to that part. So, And then vice versa, right? And what can we offer each other when we come together? According to the word, is edification. When we come together, is we bring edification, we build one another. And this and all this to say, and with this, I will be closing that we desperately need not just God. I mean, God is our everything, right? But we also need each other. While we are here on earth, we need each other, okay? And I want you to know, as I said before about isolation. Isolation stunts growth and development. And guess what else can happen? Premature death premature death and I say this because even science you know I'm gonna speak now like a counselor <laughs> what did God called me to be also there is a strong evidence that social isolation so this is even aside from what the word of God says but social isolation and loneliness significantly increase the risk for premature mortality that's what science said okay And not only that, but the magnitude of the risk exceeds that of many leading health indicators. So in the very same sense, scriptures affirm the same truth on a spiritual level. So what was Paul saying about the church, the body? being built by the Spirit. What was he saying? Paul was conveying a compelling message through these scriptures. And the message was that the church experiences the Spirit of God flowing to to them by the actual believers being the vessel which God can flow through. So therefore, if there is a disconnect from the body, Scripture suggests that we ourselves will be disconnected from the Spirit of God. Why? Because he places his Spirit in all of us, his children, to pour himself through us to each other And again, please, if you have not watched last week's sermons, I encourage you to do so because Pastor Daniel gave an illustration that was so powerful so we can understand what this looks like. Us as vessels are supposed to be overflowing, as I said in the beginning, overflowing with the anointing. And that overflow, not what is just already inside of us, the overflow is supposed to affect everyone around us. That's the purpose of the overflowing. So that overflow is supposed to affect those around us. So again, when we disconnect ourselves from the body, we are actually disconnecting ourselves from the vessel that God chose to flow through to one another. So we no longer are that vessel that God wants to flow through so we can pour onto each other. Hence, when people say that they just want God and not the church, they are failing to understand that God chose for his spirit to flow through one another. Therefore, the great Experience of God's presence is through fellowship. Amen? And please understand that I'm not implying that we do not experience God on our own. It's actually necessary that you seek God on your own. Very important. You will experience God on your own. So I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that scriptures, it's, Scripture itself command us to not forsake fellowship. And as we already noted, Jesus instructed the believers to wait for the Holy Spirit, right? As we read in the scriptures. And he said that he will pour his spirit on them upon all flesh. And it's by his pouring and it's by him pouring himself to those in the upper room like we read, that then the Spirit was able to bear witness to the ones that were outside that room. These people that were outside the room were invited in by a vessel. That was Apostle Peter. He allowed himself to be a vessel that God can flow through. And he invited these people into the body of Christ. To bring them into fellowship, not just with God, but the rest of the people, the community. So consequently, in Acts 2, with the teachings of breaking of the bread, fellowship, signs and wonders, and all of that is God's spirit in those people, flowing into other people was by gathering. So we cannot build a house, meaning a church. We cannot build a community We cannot build a body if we do not discover the vital significance of fellowship. So without gathering, and when we forsake the fellowship, this house, TDP, or any other church, any other house, cannot, hear me, cannot be built. So now, let me not fail... (laughs) In acknowledging the difficulties of fellowship, because that is definitely a difficulty. (laughs) Because the truth is that many of us have been hurt by the church. So let me acknowledge that. That many of us have been hurt by the church. So I can understand why you and I feel that it's difficult to be in fellowship when you are hurting by the church itself. So I acknowledge that. And I know that many of us, um, we wish for these scriptures to say, God and me, God and myself. Forget about everybody else. I don't want to fellowship with everybody. Because, again, because we have been hurt. And I understand that. But again. We must understand that according to scriptures, it's you and God through others, through one another. So it's not just you and God. Yes, it's you and God, but also the body. And like I said, at times, this is difficult and it is challenging. I'm not denying that. I mean, we are all different. We have different personalities we all going through different situations we might not feel well we might not have be in the best mood. so I understand it's very difficult because I don't want to stand here and paint a false picture that you are going to be in fellowship and everything will flow perfectly. That is not true. And you know why it's not going to flow perfectly? Because just as I am imperfect, so are you. We are all imperfect. Therefore, we are going to encounter challenges. Amen? However, however, this is the design that God himself chose for himself to pour of him onto us. It was not TDP's design to say fellowship, we need to fellowship. God's design, he himself designed fellowship so he can pour of himself onto one another. This is his design according to scriptures. For what I know God could have done and humanity was already saved. He could have done that, he's God, right? But I want to suggest that the good in the fellowship is greater when we all have the understanding that we are all carriers of the Spirit of God. And when we address each other as such, when I address you as a carrier of the presence of God, and you address me as a carrier of the presence of God, I like to suggest that then fellowship becomes a little bit better. Because now we understand that my brother and my sister carry the presence of God. So when I speak to my brother and my sister, guess what, oh, this is God in this person. I'm going to respect this person. I'm going to be loving and caring to this person. It doesn't matter about the difference. All I know is that he and she carry the presence of God as much as I do. So I want to suggest to you that when we focus on practicing and exercising the gifts, not the gifts, but the fruit of the spirit, love, patience, kindness, self-control, and we come together, I'm telling you, there is no way that when you exercise and experience these fruits that come from the spirit, that we are not gonna enjoy each other's presence. There is absolutely no way. This is why this church cares about women coming together, cares about community groups. This church creates opportunities for people to gather. And again, I'm not not telling you that we have been perfect, we're learning, we're growing. But this church is creating opportunities for us to gather and even today. We are planning to gather to watch a sports. To watch sports, right? But guess what? We are doing live together. Not just the, the religious part. We are doing live. Whatever we have in common, we are sharing with each other. And this is how the body of Christ grows. Amen. God placed his spirit in Jesus when he came to this world. And Jesus himself taught us how fellowship looks like. He did not walk alone because I'm Jesus. You're not. No. He called 12 people who he called disciples and grew them And share with them the gifts, his spiritual gifts with them. And later on, he tells them, you too will be indwelled by the spirit of God, my spirit. He tells them that. And he tells them, greater things you shall do. Greater things you shall do. Healing, prophesying teaching, perform miracles. And as Deacon Joshua was saying a couple of weeks ago, Jesus says, again, greater things you will do. How many believe this? I know it sounds intimidating, but how many believe this? Now, I want to clarify something. We're not going to do greater things because we are like God. We're going to do greater things because he indwells inside of us and guess what when jesus was on this earth it was one body the spirit had not spread throughout the world now how much more power the church has when the global church comes together believing the word of god greater things we shall do because now we are not restrained in one geographic, geographical location. <laughs> now we are globally spread and we can display the miracles and wonders because we are carriers of his presence. How many believe? When the body comes together in harmony, and peace and love. There is no way, church, that he will not move. Hear me, and I pray that my voice, these words that I feel God is speaking to you today. Church, there is no way that I will not move if you remain in harmony and loving one another as I called you to love one another. Of God through fellowship. Jesus was and is the prime example of allowing the Spirit of God to operate through him through gathering. Yes, Jesus went and spent his time alone with God, but guess what? He went back and fellowship. And if he did, he who was and is the son of God, why do we feel that it should be just God and us and no one else? If Jesus himself demonstrated what fellowship was and is. Church, I pray that we allow God's spirit to operate in and through us and that we are willing to build the house through fellowship. Now, I want to speak to your heart. are listening are feeling disconnected from the body of Christ from your brothers and your sisters because perhaps you are afraid to allow God to rule over your life you haven't been given the best example by other people who call themselves Christians so I understand you might be afraid or perhaps you feel disconnected, even you sitting here in the presence, not just of God, but your brothers and sisters. And that is possible. You can sit here in the midst of all of us. I can sit here and still feel disconnected. I'm going to ask you, if this is you without shame, come to the front. I want to
1: pray for you because you are part of
0: God's body even if you don't feel understand that you are an intellectual being and you can think on your own and say although I don't feel I know I belong to the body of Christ
1: God wants to do
0: something, church. He wants to do it, but he needs our partnership. He does need our partnership, and only through fellowship he's going to do what he said that he will do. to, again, remind you that you are Christ's. It doesn't matter what the enemy is speaking to you, it doesn't matter where you are at right now, it doesn't matter the struggles that you have, that does not exempt you from coming into the presence of a living God. And I pray, Holy Spirit,
1: that as we lift up our hands, my God, and we call upon that name that is above all names, my God, that you begin ministering to these people, Father, and allow them to reconnect, my God, back into your body, Jesus this is not an exclusive invitation father you desire to save the world my god and we stand here professing that you came to save us and today my god we open our hearts we open
0: our minds we open our spirits my god to you for you to operate my god and reconnect us back to the vine that is Jesus. Father, we thank you, my God, for performing the miracles that you already have done. And thank you, Father, for those that will happen in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the
1: people, my God, that are connected to you. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, as your church, Father, remain in you and you in us, my God, in the name of Jesus. Father, I come against every lie of the enemy, Father, and I speak to the intellect of each person for them to understand that your word says that we are all welcome into your kingdom, my God. You have absolutely not made any exceptions. Your word says that there is no favoritism, that you love us all equally that when you die on the cross you did not die for half of the world that you die for all of us so we might have eternal life so today I speak your love over these people Lord let your arms embrace them Lord each and every one of them and even those that are resistant Lord let your love that resistance in the name of Jesus Lord your word has power your presence has power and we will glorify your name my God we will glorify your name father we come together as one lifting up those that are fallen help us remember those that have fallen away lord help us remember lord and even as we pray for our pastor lewis lord help us to remain together expecting a miracle my god not just for his life lord jesus but each and every one of our lives lord I declare our bodies to be healed in your presence. Just as the woman came and touched the hem of your garment, Lord. And she was instantly healed, Lord. I declare this room is filled with the hem of your garment. And we are all touching the hem of your garment, my God. And those that cannot come to the hem. Father, we we welcome them, we. Father, we bring them into your presence. That's what your body does. Father, we are believing for miracles. And Father, we are not asking you for them to glorify ourselves, but the world is in so much need, Lord. They need to be, Father, motivated they need to be my god ignited with your fire lord so help us, Lord, to come together and believe together that these people are reconnected to you and that miracles will happen in the name of Jesus. That name that is above all names. We glorify your name, my God. We thank you for how good and mighty and awesome you god are jesus we call on your name in desperation my god we call on your name because we need you father we need you father we cannot do this by ourselves if your presence is not here with us lord if your presence is not here we don't want to do this but we know you are here We know you already have done a miracle. We know you already are working, Lord. You are working, Lord. Help us. Help us to believe, my God. Help us, Lord, to remain. In Jesus' name, my God, how many of you believe? How many of you are encouraged? How many of you believe? Lord, we are depending on your word, not ours. You already have spoken, my God, upon this church. So we are holding on to your words, Lord, because we know and we understand that you are God and you do not lie, Lord. So we are holding on so tight to your word, trusting you. And I thank you in advance, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, church.